Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17 says this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or to that city. Spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin. Do you see how abrasive that is? It's abrasive. And I also want to read Proverbs 21, and I'll just do verse 5 right now. It says this, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. These two scriptures, King Solomon wrote Proverbs and James writing this, almost contradict each other. But I want to show you today how they go hand in hand and how the Lord wants to give you a plan for your life and how we can operate in the will of God. Are you ready? All right, let's pray. Lord, right now, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and active. I pray it would speak to every single person in here that we would leave changed. We would leave equipped. We would leave ready to do the work of the ministry. Lord, I pray you'd give us open ears, open eyes to see, soft hearts, tough skin to receive the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of my message today is Point of View. Turn to your neighbor and say, Point of View. Point of View. Point of View. Have you ever had your plans hijacked? Somebody comes in and takes your plans and decides to do something completely different from what you had originally planned? I've had this happen a couple times in my life. One of the biggest, most serious times that this has happened in my life is Brianna and I uh, have been together now. We've been married for over nine years. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's amazing. We have four kids now. Uh, when we were first going through pre-marriage counseling, they asked you the question, like, how long do you want to wait to have kids? And, and we kind of both agreed, like, let's wait seven years to have kids. That didn't work. And... Uh, you know, we talked seven years, and I was like, I want two kids. She, want, she said, I want three kids. We have four kids now. And, you know, what happened with this is we get married. It's amazing. We go on our honeymoon. Life is great. We're figuring out how to be married together. Three months in, Brianna leans over to me, and she goes, I think I'm ready to have kids. My plans were absolutely ruined at that point because from that moment on, she was just beating down my door. I'm ready to have kids, Alex. I'm ready to have kids, Alex. I'm like... We're talking seven years down to three months. Like, how did we get the disconnect on those plans? And within about a year and nine months later, we had our first child, Emerson. And now, uh, and it, by Emerson's fifth birthday, we had four kids. We're crazy people, all right? My plans were completely taken over by Brianna. And now, uh, I wouldn't change a thing, but our life is crazy, okay? You know, I remember, too, when I was, uh, when I was 18 and I... Went off to college. I went to Hillsong International Leadership College in Australia. Was having the time of my life learning, growing, and 
I was so passionate about worship. I grew up in my parents' church from, uh, from even age 10, playing drums, leading worship. This was my life. I loved doing worship, and I loved doing church. That was me as a kid. I did church. I loved being in the house of God. Whatever I could do to help set up, be involved with it, that's what I loved to do. And I go off to college. And I started to learn more, and I started to get more equipped, and I stepped into a leadership role in my second year in full-time staff, and I was convinced I was going to be staying there for the rest of my life. I would have an Australian accent. I'd probably have an Australian wife. That's kind of what I was thinking was going to happen with my life. All these doors were opening opportunities, and all of a sudden, two weeks before I was going home for Christmas break, I'm walking home from the church. And it was one of those moments, I have five moments in my life where I can say it was an undeniable moment when the Lord spoke to me. It wasn't an audible voice, but I knew in my spirit, five times in my life. Some pastors will say it's every single day. I'm telling you it's five times in my life, okay? <laughs> and this was one of those moments. I'm walking home, and God goes, you're going to be a youth pastor at your parents' church. I had never preached a message in my life. Like this was the furthest thing from what I wanted to do. I wanted to lead worship. I wanted to lead creative systems. I wanted to be able to make albums, do the things that creatives do. I wanted to be Bobby Walker when I grew up. You know what I'm saying? That's what I wanted, and that's what I thought. My gifting's all aligned towards that. And yet God stopped me right in my tracks. You're going to be a youth pastor. I go home. I call my parents. I go, hey, how's the church going? I haven't talked to you in a while. And they said, it's amazing. We're actually launching a campus. Our youth pastor is going to do this thing. We're looking for a youth pastor if you know of anybody. And it was like, I'm weeping at this moment. God, God just told me on my walk home, I have to come be your youth pastor. December 8th, 2010, walked into this little youth ministry and saw this thing and thought my life was completely over. What did I just do? I thought I absolutely ruined my life. But can I tell you, God had a beautiful plan, a humbling experience a journey for me to go on, an understanding that the doing of ministry is just the fruit of loving people. And if you truly love people, that's when ministry can flourish and grow. And then you get people around you that really love doing ministry. I tell you what, my plans were absolutely taken over. God has this way of doing that. God has this way of taking your plans and, and really shaping you into what he has for your life. As long as you're submitted and you're willing, the door is there. And during those four and a half years of youth pastoring in my parents' church, one of the most fruitful times of my life, and I met Brianna there. We got married. I mean, it opened up doors all over for me to be able to be the person that I am today, as well as learned how to preach sermons at 20 years old. You know what I'm saying? It was incredible. My plans were taken over. See, I had this very worldly view of ministry. And I thought I had to put the things over ministry over what ministry really was. I desired to do the tasks and the business of ministry rather than the real reason of ministry, which is to love people, train, equip, release, empower. And God took over my plans and allied it with his will. See, we in our humanity are in this constant state, though, of self-discovery, trying to figure out our purpose. Here's my giftings. Here's my assignment. What does that mean for my life, and where do I go from here? And we do exactly what James says right here in James 4. You say, today or tomorrow we will go to the city and we'll spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. See, James is giving a broad example of our desire to make sense of life. 
especially those without God, that are living in limbo because true purpose and what they think their lives are about. See, we have this desire inside of us, given to us by God, to create, to innovate, to make something. So when James is saying we're making plans for our own lives, he's speaking to every single human who's attempting to try to find what their life is about and their purpose. And I really believe this statement applies to every single one of us. We're always trying to figure out what am I on this earth to do? What exactly has God gifted me and why did he give me the gifts and how can I use those in this way? So James in verse 14 says, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Like what a, a crazy statement for this guy to be saying. Like most of the people wouldn't have even known him. They would have been reading this and they see this guy go, why? You're making all these plans, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Such an encouraging pastor, you know what I'm saying? He's saying, you're trying to make sense of life. You're trying to make all your own plans, but in reality, we don't even know what happens tomorrow. So your efforts are for nothing and not directed through the right path. He says this statement that rocks me every single time. It says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That is a humbling statement to hear, isn't it? In light of eternity, in light of the earth, in light of time, we are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That's it. So our efforts to pursue our purpose on our own are worthless because tomorrow isn't promised. I love this illustration, and I saw it done by a pastor last year. I watched him do it, and I thought, man, someday I want to be able to do that. And then James 4 came, and I go, this is the day. But I believe this pastor missed a step, and I want to add something to this. See, he, basically what it is is our life is a mist, and we have to understand what that even looks like. In just a second, everything that we've known Compared to the grandeur of eternity, the universe, and what God created, God says it's this. Our life, our plans, what we think we are, what we think we need to achieve, the boat we want, all the things, every, it's just, the businesses that we create and the things that we achieve. Our friends, our finances, right? Our degree, our career. Stage is going to be dangerous soon. Your 401k, that's sobering. Your house, the entertainment that you think you need. Your plans, your dreams, what you leave for your kids, your style, your coping mechanisms, a mist. Here, one second, gone the next. Everything is a mist. Wow, such an encouraging message. I told you, come with thick skin, didn't I? I told you, I warned you. Verse 15, James says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. What's the title of my message? Point of view. What's your point of view of life? Is it through your will or is it through God's will? This small statement in James 4.15 is the game changer for your life. See, when we look through the point of view of God's will, now everything comes into alignment with his purpose for our lives, not our purpose. 
James is saying, why are you doing this? Why are you wasting your time chasing after all these things in life that you think are going to bring fulfillment? Yet, if it's attached to God's will, it holds purpose and power. I grew up in a small town in Washington State. It's about 100,000 people, so kind of in the middle. And uh, it's a beautiful city. It has a, a river going down the middle that you can do all kinds of water sports on. We have a ski resort up in the mountain. 25 minutes from our house, and it was an absolute beautiful valley where you can see mountains all around you, right? Not like Florida, a little different. At least we got palm trees here. I grew up in this city, and, and we would drive just 15 minutes north, and there was this little uh, state park called Lincoln Rock State Park. And we would go out there, and we'd go swimming in the summer, and there was camping there. And, you know, it was, it was interesting because they named this park Lincoln Rock State Park because there's actually a little face of Lincoln that's across the river about a half a mile away built into the rocks. Can you show that picture for me? We totally can't see it, right? <laughs> they put a whole state park on the side of the river and named it after a bunch of rocks that you can't even see the face in. Like to the naked eye, you'll look across and you will never see that face. It's actually a side portrait of his face built into the side of the rocks. Now you walk through this park and in this one little spot next to some trees, there's this little gold tube that's about a, the, you know, the diameter of a dime. And when you get down in the right angle, you have to get to the right spot and you look through the little gold tube, it looks like this. Go ahead and show the next picture. You guys see Lincoln? Pretty impossible to see with the naked eye. Thank God for the sunset and the contrast. That's how you can see him. Good job, Washington State. so funny the entire purpose of this park the reason they put it there was this small little thing now go to the next picture <laughs> only when you know where it is can you find it and I think in the same way how this entire park has this one purpose it's this little thing it's almost an anchor point in the same way for our lives See, we're not looking, your life doesn't need to go completely upside down. Like, yeah, I just need to, I need to 100%, like everything's going to look completely different. No, like we just have to understand the point of view of our lives. Understand how, what is the full purpose? Yes, I'm going to look and I'm going to see that's the purpose. I know it's for God. It's for his glory. I'm alive for this reason. Now I can see clearly what it is. Now when you step back, you always know it's there. You know the purpose is there. And now you just get to live your life. You get to live and you get to be in the grace of God. And you get to follow the things he tells you to do. And it's beautiful. But that purpose is there. It might just be hidden, but sometimes you have to have the right point of view. You have to look through the right point of view to be able to see it. See, this life is a mist that God has given us. Just like Lincoln Rock State Park, this is what we have to do is get the right point of view for our lives. And once you find it, it's undeniable that it's there. And every time you look now, you will see your purpose and it will be so simple and you'll know what God's will is. See, when it's God's will, it leaves a lasting eternal impact. When it's yours, it's gone tomorrow. Now, when we say it's God's will for your life, it leaves an eternal impact. Now, when we say it's God's will for your marriage, it leaves an eternal impact. It's God's will. We're looking through the point of view for God's will for my business. What's your will for my business, God? Eternal impact. 
your friends, eternal impact, your finances, eternal impact, your degree, your career, your 401k, your house, your entertainment, your plans, everything now can have eternal impact and weight in eternity when it's for God's will. By the end of your life, you should be able to look back at your life, and it will be more like Mount Rushmore than Lincoln Rock State Park. And you're going to see the massive faces of Theodore Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington. You're going to see these faces that are so obvious because your entire life, the culmination of your life, has been all through God's will with eternal impact and weight. Amen? Amen. Amen. So verse 16, it says, As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. He clarifies the fact that when we know good and that we ought to do and we don't do it, it's sin for them. Why? You're leaving your calling, your assignment, your purpose on the table. The will of your life, the purpose of why you're alive, you're leaving it on the table. Jesus says it like this, Luke 12, 47 through 48. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving of punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I know that's a sobering truth and it's real and harsh to hear. Such an encouraging Sunday morning. But we have to understand today that God has a great will and a purpose for our lives. And every single thing of our lives can go back to the glory of God and for eternal impact. See, we carry the light. We're meant to be the salt of the earth. And God has written plans on our hearts. The moment we surrender to God through salvation, now we open our lives to his plan, his will, his way. And oftentimes, and I mean most oftentimes, God lines you up. And what he has for you according to your gifts he's given you. He'll take your plans, even if it's just there for a detour in your journey. That's really what happened to me as a youth pastor. See, before James ever wrote James 4, Proverbs 21 verse 5 was recorded. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. That word diligent in the Hebrew language simply means pertaining to being persistently industrious. So the plans of the persistent, the one who's figuring it out, the one who makes it happen, will lead to prosperity and abundance. See, this is where James really gets offensive again, because James, to the naked eye, almost contra contradicts what Proverbs, which was written in, from the wisest man who ever lives. It almost contradicts it. So how do we navigate these two scriptures? How do we pull? If you, if you get good plans for your life, you just make it happen, you go for it, you're going to lead to to abundance in your life, and yet in James it's saying, why are you even worrying about tomorrow? Why, why are you saying I'm going to go do these things? They almost contradict each other. And oftentimes with Proverbs, you can read line by line, but with this one, you need to know the context. Proverbs 21 verse 1 says, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. So the, the, the thing that he sets, the roadmap that he sets is he first of all says, my life, everything that I am is in God. And he's going to turn it. It's in the will of God. He's going to turn it whichever way 
He wants. He wills. Verse 2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. So he's saying, yeah, I could, I could try to make this happen in my own eyes, but if it doesn't have weight in eternity, if what I do, my life, my business, my 401k, whatever it is, doesn't have weight for eternity, it's not holding weight. See, the Lord weighs the heart. And then if we jump to verse 5 now, we can understand. Now he says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. So through the will of God. Now when we understand the big picture, now when we know the plans of God, now we get absolutely on track with understanding we need to have great plans and be diligent and be persistent in the things that God has given us. And we need to work harder just as Jesus said. See, now we see it's through the right point of view. It's through the understanding of God's will and under his control, we are to plan and be diligent. Leads us to abundance. Rick Warren writes in his book, Purpose Driven Life, without God, life has no purpose. And without purpose, life has no meaning. Without meaning, life has no significance or hope. Such a powerful statement. God is the ultimate endpoint. He is what it all boils down to. He's what it's all about. Knowing God leads us to our purpose, meaning, significance, and ultimately hope. Amen. And then in 1 Corinthians 10, I love the scripture. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That gives us clarity of understanding of what our lives are meant to be for. Everything we do, from eating to drinking, whatever you do. It gets very broad, and it says it's all for the glory of God. It's that anchor point of understanding, yes, I'm living here. The simple things of eating for the glory of God. In the same way you're in that big state park, and it all has a purpose. Why is it there? Because of that face. We need to understand with that point of view, everything that we do is for the glory of God. For the glory of God. Being a dad now for over seven years, I've come to realize the, the simple reality that everything my kids do really does reflect on me. It's hard to separate that and like, you know, not try, them, try to force them to be you. It's not healthy to do that. But you'll see other parents like in a restaurant and their kids are like absolutely going wild. And you're like looking at the parents like, it's on you. You know what I'm saying? Nobody knows. But it's funny because they're learning from you. They're being equipped by you. They're being trained by you. This is what I've learned now over these last little bit. And you are, you are equipping them with their attitudes and how they act towards life and what they're going to do. And in the same way, I believe that this is how we're to look at our relationship with God. See, we are his children. Everything that we do, our attitude towards people, who we are reflects on God. We have to live 1 Corinthians out. Whatever we do, do it all for the glory of God. So practically, I want to get very practical. How do we do this? How do we align our lives with the will of God? How do we look through the proper point of view to get purpose for everything in our lives? If we go back to verse 15, it says, Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. If it is the Lord's will. This simple yet powerful inquiry 
is the key to operating in the proper point of view. This question realigns our minds and our hearts to our viewpoints with God. Ask God. Inquire of God. Jesus says it this way. When teaching how to pray, he says, he says in Matthew uh, 6, 9 through 13, it says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, Jesus does this when he prays. I want you to see this. He shifts his perspective by worship. He gives God control by surrender. He asks for promised provision of God. And he seeks protection and deliverance. In this simple prayer, he doesn't just look through the right point of view. He gives us the blueprint to lock our lives into the purpose of God. It's not just a prayer. It's not just an idea like, hey, that's an idea. He locks our lives into the will and the blueprint of how he wants us to outlive. I'm going to invite the band up as I go through these. But I want us to look at this just a little bit. Verse 9. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So the first way in which we lock our lives into this blueprint, into the purpose of God, first of all, is shifting perspective by worship. Shifting perspective by worship. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we understand here, first of all, that Jesus starts off this prayer by going, it is about God. Everything in my life is about God. I need to give worship to God. He's holy. He's worthy. And what that does when you start with worship, it shifts your perspective of what you see around you, what you need around you, what you're feeling around you, and going, oh, it's all about God. Such a powerful thing that Jesus does that oftentimes we just pass by. Yeah, Jesus says, hallowed be your name. No, he's shifting perspective of worship from the earthly things to the heavenly things. See, it focuses and puts it on God. Worship, it shifts your perspective to see it the way that God sees it. Worship, it drives away the enemy. And worship, it changes those around you. And then it goes into verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what Jesus does there is giving God control by surrender. Giving God control by surrender. This surrender puts God on the throne of your heart. This surrender leads you to releasing control. And now God can truly use you the way he wants to. Jesus isn't just saying a, a fancy, you know, Christianese. He's really saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. I am ready, God. Whatever you want to do, I'm giving you control by surrendering. Then in verse 11, give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So Jesus is asking for the promised provision by God. This one scares us so often, doesn't it? Asking God for our needs, asking God for our desires on our heart, like putting it in his hands, like I'm going to ask you for that. But I love, Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Give us today our daily bread. And I think so often we can confuse our wants and our needs. We can think like, you know, like what we actually want in our life is a need. But in reality, he says, he will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Philippians 4.3, right? So a difference would be what you need is air in your lungs. What we want is a cell phone in our pocket. Do we see that? We can't convolute those when we understand God's provision. 
if we have what we need, God is providing. And in abundance of love and generosity, there is more to life and, and fruitfulness and amazing things. And I believe he wants to bless his children. But we need to understand that when we're looking through this perspective, we're asking for the promised provision. And the last thing that he does, seek protection and deliverance. Verse 13, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, knowing that God is our protector and our deliverer, it's not what we can do, it's what he can do. We just need to be intentional not to put ourselves in bad places, in places of temptation. We need to be intentional to go, no, God, I know you're my deliverer. I know you'll come through. I know you'll protect me and protecting ourselves in that way too. So these simple and practical steps that Jesus laid out are the aligner, are the ways in which we can realign our lives to the right point of view with God. Shift your perspective by worship. Give God control by surrender. Ask for the promised provision of God and seek protection and deliverance from God. Oftentimes when we're in the thick of something, we aren't able to see God and what he's doing in it. Then when you look back, you see God's hand all over it. Just like King Solomon said, he's holding the waters and according to his will and his plan. Through that time of even being a youth pastor, it was a little bit of my testimony today. That time of being a youth pastor, I remember they were some of the hardest moments of ministry I've ever had. You're grinding. You're sitting in high school auditoriums and trying to meet kids at lunch and trying to get them saved and do whatever you can to do what you feel like God has called you to do. But now when I look back at that time, I go, that was one of the most beautiful, fruitful seasons of my entire life. There was over 500 salvations that we recorded in the time of four and a half years of youth pastoring in that city. People discipled, raised up, even Manny George on the base back here, who's our middle school youth pastor, was in our youth ministry back then all 10 years ago. God was weaving and planning and and he opened up doors in, into my passions, into what I knew I wanted to do, into worship. And I did that for many, many years, and it was beautiful. God opening up and seeing my passion and seeing what I wanted to do. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to meet you right where you are, and I'm going to lead you on a path. And all of those connections and all of those things have led us to what we feel like God has assigned us to do, which is to lead this church. That beautiful path, the hand of God. When you're the thick of it, you don't often see, God, what are you doing? What are you leading me through? What are you, why am I in the middle of this? Like, I don't, I'm not even passionate about this. I don't want to do this. Yet all the while, he's leading and guiding. And at the end of your life, I pray we can look and see the purpose written across your entire life. And know it was all for the will. It was all for the glory of God. We got to get the right point of view of our lives. Your life holds purpose. Your life holds meaning. You're meant to make a difference. You're meant to impact the world for Jesus. You're meant to get people saved. You're meant to bring people into eternity with you. You're meant to build the kingdom of God. Every single one of us have been given this calling, this assignment to do the will of God. We need to stop striving in our own strength, trying to make our own way, trying to make our own plans. If it is your will, God, if you will it, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. 
I'll go wherever you want me to go. If you will it, God, it's a dangerous prayer. But I ask, would you stand to your feet? And would you lift your hands as an act of surrender? And would you just pray that simple prayer of inquiry unto God? If it is your will, God, I will do whatever you want. Come on, can we just do that today? Would you just lift your hands as an act of surrender? I know it's awkward. I know it can be weird. Let's surrender to God and say, it's your will. Whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, however you want to do it, God. I pray, Lord, for the rest of our lives, we'll have the right point of view. We want everything that we do to hold weight in eternity. Lord, we want everything that we put our hand to to be because you willed it for our lives. Lord, I thank you that you're awakening passions and desires and the things that people have laid dormant for so long. Lord, I pray you'll bring them back to that. Call people who know that they're called and lead them down the right path. Lord, I pray that everything in our lives, Lord, would be locked into the purpose and to the will that you have for us. God, let us never walk away from understanding that you are God and it's all for your glory. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to just take a second for anybody in the room that heard me talking today and would say, I hear you talking about God's will and you talking about, yeah, it starts with worship, but you haven't even taken the first step into relationship with God. We just want to open up the opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus. It's the first step in this journey of walking in relationship with God. So I'm gonna to count to three. And at the count of three, I'll just invite you to raise your hand. If you say, I wanna follow Jesus, I wanna give my life to Jesus, you raise your hand. One, know that God loves you so much. He gave his one and only son so that you could know life, so you could know life with him now and in eternity. Two, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't need to wait any longer. You don't need to have all the answers. You can just enter into this relationship. So if you want to give your life to Jesus or you want to return back to Jesus, three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and wave at me? Come on, I see your hand. Hallelujah. Yes, I see your hand. Hallelujah. I see your hand. Yes, come on. Can we celebrate people giving their life to Jesus? Hallelujah. I see your hand. Praise the Lord. People stepping into the will that God has for them, stepping into eternity. Hallelujah. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. So glad you made the decision today to have the courage to raise your hand. And we're here for you. We don't, you might not know all the answers right now. I just encourage you, keep coming back. Keep being a part. And at the end, after we sing a little bit, we are going to pray a prayer together, which is going to seal this moment for you. For everyone else, I just want to encourage you. Look at your life and look through the point of view of God's will for your life and say, does this hold weight in eternity? Am I making a difference that makes weight in eternity? You got one mist. You got one mist of your life and is it gonna hold weight in eternity or is it gonna vanish? I know for me, I want it to hold weight in eternity. I want for eternity's sake, for God to be glorified and that I would make a difference with the mist that I have on this earth. If that's you, can we just lift up our hands one more time and can we worship full of surrender and shift our perspective by worship? Come on. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.